The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And for those of you who realize that there are other things going on in the world besides the memorial for Michael Jackson, welcome to the show. Today's show is the slippery slope of socialism. And we're going to be talking about one of the things, you know, while everyone is, uh, is clapping and, and swaying to uh, Michael Jackson's memorial, um, it's, you know, I, I just, before we get into the topic of today, I, I just have to, uh, have to say something about this. I mean, um, Michael Jackson was certainly an incredible entertainer. His music was beautiful, especially it was moving today. I did take peeks. At the, I couldn't, couldn't help but take peeks to see what was going on at the memorial. And um, I particular, some of the things I just couldn't watch. And, uh, but some of them um, were like when they sang We Are the World and, of course, showed um, pictures of people in New York and in London, and there might have been more that I missed, uh, swaying and, and, you know, holding hands and so on. That was very moving. Um, and this music will last forever, and that's a wonderful gift that he gave to us. But what bothers me about it, besides what I ranted about last week, about the fact that uh, even though he was a wonderful musician, he still did was dangerous for children and did molest children, in my opinion, continuing opinion. Um, of course, nobody wants to talk about that today when everyone's memorializing him. And, yes, it's sad that he died at 50 years old. Of course, as I spoke about last time, too, I think this was, this was a conscious or unconscious suicide attempt um, because of his not being able to face, not living up to the standards that his audience expected when he went on a tour and, of course, would be unable to do 50 concerts, especially when he was addicted to painkillers and other medications. Uh, but what bothers me in, in regard to other issues, I mean, for example, the issue we're going to be talking about today is if you look at any newspaper or you put on, you look on the Internet, I'm not suggesting you do that right now while, while you're listening to the show, but if you, list, if you turn to Google or, or some other news page, um, you'll see lots of other important things going on in the world, like um, Obama having been in Russia, um, Sarah Palin quitting. I mean, not that that's a whole other issue that I won't get into. I mean, not that um, I still blame her for McCain's defeat, so not that that's um, any loss, quite frankly. But uh, there are so many other things going on in the world. And what bothers me is that on relatively short notice, uh, and he didn't die that long ago, the world has come together 
people have made what I must admit was a spectacular um, show, essentially, the memorial. Um, just spectacular, not only inside, but with screens outside, and apparently screens outside in London and screens outside in New York and, and outside the Staples Center or somewhere in L.A. for people who um, didn't get tickets. And if everyone somehow could drop what they were doing and manage to be present for this memorial, um, putting aside whatever negative things Michael Jackson may have done in his life, um, why is it? that people can't drop what they're doing and come together for other more important things in the world, like poverty or um, like what we're going to be talking about today, um, the creeping, the, the slippery slope of socialism that is about to, well, that's already begun hitting America and is particularly about to hit America even further if Obama has his way in regard to health care. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, she's a doctor. You know, of course she's going to care about what they're going to do um, to payments for doctors and so on. But quite frankly, um, because of the many different things that I do, seeing patients only being a small part of it, uh, the rest being, being your radio host, uh, writing books, you know, being on television and on radio as a guest, talking about different issues, being an expert witness, being a speaker, and so on. I have a, a number of things that I do. Quite frankly, it's not really going to affect me personally that much in regard to whatever happens um, for socialism and medicine. However, when I became a doctor, it was because I cared about people's health. And what I see happening now or threatening to happen is really putting all of our lives in danger. And as we'll be able to hear further from our guest, who I'll introduce in a minute, but my point is, um, why is it that people aren't coming together, first of all, aren't even paying enough attention to realize what's coming down the pike, what potentially is coming down the pike, what Obama is suggesting, and recognizing how much uh, danger we are all in. Do you want people making decisions for you about whether you live or die? And, okay, some of you may be thinking, well, I'm young or I'm healthy, and so it's not going to be an issue for me for years down the road, and, you know, we'll deal with it then. Well, what about your parents or grandparents? How are you going to like it when they decide that if you get past a certain age, um, you know, your life isn't worth saving like they did with Terry Schiavo? I mean, she was young, but they decided that she wasn't in a condition that was worth saving. That was a very pivotal case that, unfortunately, um, signals this turning tide against people having the right to health care. So, without further ado, <laughs> I will introduce my guest. His name is Jason Marsh. He's the author of a brand new book called Surviving Euphoria, Selected Writings on Politics, Travel, and Life in Europe. And Jason spent two years teaching in Berlin. He did not plan when he went over there to write a book, but when he saw what was happening in Europe and what he fears is going to be happening here, um, that moved him to write this book when he got back because of his concerns of what's going to be happening uh, here any minute, just like what has happened in Europe. And as some of you know, and Jason, I'll... Uh, let you know that I, I lived in Europe. I went to medical school in Europe. I went to the University of Louvain in Belgium, 
I lived in Europe for, uh, in Belgium for years, and then I lived in Paris for some years as well, and I traveled all over Europe. So I just want you to know that, um, that what you're going to be saying is something that I'm familiar with as well. So, I mean, although not, although you just, just came back and, and I haven't been living there as recently as you. So, but I just wanted you to know that there's a, a common, uh, common ground here. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you, Dr. Lieberman. And first of all, why, what, is the t- what does the title of the book mean, Surviving Euphoria? Well, it's kind of a double meaning. Um, my wife and I, when we lived there um, from 2005 to 2007, uh, we had no kids at the time. Uh, we were double-income professionals, so uh, it was quite euphoric for us. We traveled every weekend. We went out to dinner. We, um, you know, the lifestyle that people envy when they go on vacation to Europe, we got to experience for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was that uh, euphoria. But a little deeper meaning, um, a lot of times people point to Europe uh, thinking that it is the ultimate culmination of a civilized society that if we could only have government control, if we could only have socialized medicine, if we could only do what the sophisticated Europeans are doing, uh, wouldn't that just be euphoric? Wouldn't that be a utopia? And the reality is, is far from the truth. And so uh, the other meaning for us was uh, simply surviving European culture. And, uh, and I have some um, great concerns, as you mentioned uh, in your beginning, um, I have some great concerns for the direction that we're going in this country. Now, what made you um, go to Europe in the first place? How did you wind up spending two years teaching? Well, my wife and I, uh, like I said, we were um, no kids. We uh, kind of hit one of those stagnant points in our um, teaching profession here in the States. Uh, we both have kind of a shared wanderlust and, and love traveling together. And a friend of ours uh, told us about kind of the world of international teaching, and it sounded very alluring to us. Uh, so we went to one of three major international teaching fairs around the country, uh, got job offers from all over the world, hmm. and, and decided uh, this one would be the best fit. We, uh, my wife had studied in Europe in high school. She did a study abroad uh, program. I'd been there couple times, and we both uh, had a desire to really try to, um, you know, broaden our horizons, learn more about uh, the culture of the continent, the whole works, and uh, so we decided that's, that's the place for us to go. Okay, and let me stop you there because we need to take a break. We'll hear more about your journey when we come back. My guest again is Jason Marsh. We'll be talking more about the slippery slope of socialism when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Kara Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? 
Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today. So contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the slippery slope of socialism. Um, what, did, what did you do on July 4th? Did you have a barbecue? Did you think about the freedoms that you are enjoying in this country and how lucky you are to be here? Well, uh, listen up because um, some of these things may be slipping away before your very eyes, and uh, we really need to be out there protesting or um, taking some stand, contacting our congressmen and so on to avoid these things happening. So my guest is Jason March, the author, Marsh, the author of Surviving Euphoria, Selected Writings on Politics, Travel, and Life in Europe, and he was just about to take us on his trip with him um, to see how his eyes were opened in Europe as to the... Uh, the euphoric highs and lows. So why don't you start? Well, um, you know, my wife and I went to Germany not speaking a word of German. We uh, um, didn't really know anything when we got there. Um, I would admit uh, fairly naive about things. And with any new experience, you have kind of that honeymoon period. Um, we certainly have that. Um, you have that euphoric high and everything. You kind of see through the rose-colored glasses. And at the beginning, it was just you know the kind of the usual cultural, um, the cultural pitfalls that you know we didn't know how this was done or that was done um, that we kind of struggled with, and like most good things or most good ideas, it was this writing the book was not mine but my wife, and uh, we had all these just crazy stories that we would be telling people back home, and she said you know why don't you just write this stuff down once instead of telling it twenty mm-hmm. or thirty times. So that kind of got the book started. And in the beginning, in the beginning of the book, I talk more about those uh, those kind of cultural 
um, awkward situations that you have. And the longer we were in Europe, you know, the more you start to see the idiosyncrasies of a culture, the more you start to uh, kind of see the everyday life of, of what's actually happening. And my wife and I, you know, we didn't live in an American, you know, military base or an American housing complex or anything like that. You know, we lived with the Germans, had German landlords, had uh, German friends, the whole works. And so we started to, uh, you know, really get into the culture a lot more. And that's where I started seeing a whole bunch of things that just kind of just made me scratch my head and say, what in the world is going on here? Now, it's not a zero-sum game. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not like everything's bad because there, there are things that um, a lot of European countries do that um, they do a better job of than, than we do here. But on the whole, there were a lot of things that you would look at and say, you know, why are you doing it that way? It just it, it doesn't work. Well, give us some examples. Well, you know, this, this is a, a great example. My, uh, my landlord, um, unemployment in Germany is very high, you know, 10 plus percent. Um, when unemployment would get below 10 percent, it was cause for celebration in the country. The, the economy was doing great. And it's a side note, this is one of my concerns that I have in this country, that 10% um, unemployment is going to be the new normal here. Mm. We're just going to accept that when we have um, mammoth government control. But my, my landlord was a um, um, filmmaker, and he got laid off. He was unemployed for a long period of time. Couldn't find a job. And so finally he decided, you know what, I'm going to start my own business. Well, instead of starting his business in Germany, he actually flew to Great Britain, incorporated his company in Great Britain. Um, the cost was a fraction of what it cost in Germany, about one-tenth the cost. It took three days for him to do this as opposed to about six months. And the mm. irony of it all is that my landlord was a member of the Green Party, uh, one of the pushing forces in, in German politics that has really pushed for a lot of this heavy government control. And here, he has been a member of that party pushing for this you know, strong government control, heavy bureaucracy, heavy regulation. And then when it actually came to affect him, you know, that's not a good situation. What did he do? He flew to Great Britain, started his company in another country. And we would see stuff like this all the time where uh, the things that they were doing, I'm a big believer in the law of unintended consequences. And uh, there were lots of things that um, would happen in Germany, in particular in Europe in general, where on the surface it might look like, eh, that's a good idea, that's going to you know, be helpful. But in the end, it ends up having serious detrimental effects on the economy and society in general. Um, and so that's just one small example of something that we saw. Hmm. Well, what, now what were you, you and your wife teaching? Uh, we, we taught uh, high school science. We're both science nerds by training. Um, I teach um, um, biology and, and I mean physiology, things like that. My wife is a phys physics and chem uh, person, and we taught at a German-American school, the John F. Kennedy School in Berlin, Germany. And so we were teaching um, high school and advanced placement courses uh, at, uh, at the John F. Kennedy School. So these were, these were what, um, children of servicemen? No, what, what, who were well, these? They used to be. They used to be. Um, what it was is after the uh, Berlin airdrop in the, uh, uh, during the Cold War, um, you know, there were a huge number of American GIs stationed in Berlin in particular. And a lot of these German 
um, citizens, a lot of these American service members and members of the State Department and, and all of that. They were living near each other. Their kids were playing with each other. And they said, you know, let's start this uh, school as kind of a, um, you know, kind of a cooperative venture, um, uh, hopefully understand each other's culture a little better. So the John F. Kennedy School started in the 1960s. Uh, it was about half German, half American uh, staff, and about half German and half American uh, student body. And with the fall of the Berlin Wall and the end of the Cold War, that uh, demographic has changed. Uh, the school now has roughly a quarter American students and uh, about half German, and about a quarter uh, third country international students where, where English is their mother tongue. But, but our students were very uh, high-end students. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the son of the Korean ambassador to Germany, um, the, the daughter of a vice president, Daimler Chrysler. Uh, mm -hmm. so we had a very, um, a very elite student body, and mm -hmm. so it uh, made teaching uh, quite easy and, and very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I was wondering how you were doing all this when you weren't speaking German. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they, they want American, you know, at the school we're at, they want American uh, teachers, mm -hmm. and uh, they, they encourage you to learn German. And my wife and I uh, took classes and got to the point where we could uh, muddle along, you mm -hmm. know, uh, basic conversational uh, German. We joked it was like talking to a toddler when anybody spoke to us, but, uh, you know, we, we made the best effort we could. So what were some of the other things that you saw that concerned you? Well, you know, the hot, uh, uh, the hot button issue right now is, is health care. And, uh, you know, in, in Europe in general, socialized medicine is kind of a given. But, uh, you know, there's, it's, not, uh, it's not all milk and honey. Um, you know, our care was good. You know, some, some uh, countries where socialized medicine exists, the care is subpar. Um, you know, we had friends and colleagues uh, who had taught or worked or were from Great Britain, and, and Great Britain certainly has had problems with their um, quality of care. Well, the main problem is that you have to wait forever to get an appointment. Well, absolutely. You know, and we look at Canada. I, you know, I don't know if you heard about this incident about, a, I guess, almost two weeks ago now. But I heard at the beginning of the show you were talking about uh, issues with the end of life, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and quality of care. Well, there was a case uh, about two weeks ago in Hamilton, Ontario, where a young um, mother had a premature baby, 14 weeks premature. Um, they had no room in the neonatal intensive care unit. Mm. The, uh, the hospital did a province-wide search trying to find a place for this, you know, premature baby. That's, that's including Toronto. You know, about five and a half million people in the greater Toronto area couldn't find a uh, place for this child in all of Ontario. So what they do, send her across the border to Buffalo, New York. Uh. Um, and so it's not just end-of-life issues. It's beginning-of-life mm -hmm, issues, mm -hmm. issues. It's in between. I mean, in Minnesota here, we're, you know, on the Canadian border. Uh, and we, we have people come across all the time for, for health care. And so, you know, that, that is one big issue. That may happen. It may not. I don't know. In, in Great Britain, it has. In Canada, it has. Uh, in Germany, their quality of care is, is pretty good. Uh, the issue, though, is cost. Um, and I, I try to boil this down as simply as possible. But my wife and I, when we were in Germany, it cost us more than here in the United States, and we had less coverage. It's just it's simple math. Um, you know, and they've done some other things to try to get the cost down, uh, you know, their doctors get paid substantially less than they do uh, here in the United States or in, in a lot of parts of the world. 
Uh, so that was one thing that they... Uh, well, wait, are you talking... I, I'm not sure that I understand. You, when you, you mean you got insurance in yeah. Germany? We, we... Ask that again, please. Um, you, you got insurance when you were in Germany? You were saying it cost you a lot more. What cost you more? The insurance did. Um, because you pay for it. I mean, you pay for it. The socialized medicine, the way it works in Germany, I, I should have explained this better. Um, whatever you make, it's 14% of your salary. That's, they take 14% of your salary to, just off the top to go for... Yeah, well, and what, they take 7% of yours, and then whatever uh, you have for an employer, they uh -huh. contribute 7%. So it's 14% of your salary. Um, so 7% is kicked in by the uh, employer, 7% by the individual. Yes. Uh, so that you're paying the premium just like you would here. Uh, so, you know, we were middle class. We were teachers, you know, master's degree. So, you know, we were making roughly 45,000 euros a year each. Um, and uh, that cost for us per year was more uh, over there than yes. it was here in the United States. And, and less things were covered by the plan. Um, you know, socialized medicine in, in Germany is is an okay deal for the rich because in Germany they actually have a two-tier system. Okay, wait. Let me stop you again. Okay. Sorry. This is very interesting. Okay. But we do need to take a break. My guest is Jason Marsh. He's the author of Surviving Euphoria, Selected Writings on Politics, Travel, and Life in Europe. We're uh, going on the journey with him in his uh, trip in Europe and learning about what we need to be worried about. So you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times do you want help then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. 
Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the slippery slope of socialism that is coming to a town near you. In other words, your own town. My guest is Jason Marsh. He's talking about his experiences in Europe. We've been going along, tagging along on his journey as he's been learning about some of the pitfalls uh, of socialized medicine. He was just telling us about uh, his experiences in regard to the, the medical system in Germany. So you were starting to say that there's a two-tier system, that, which I'm, I think is what's going to be happening here, where you were going to say for the rich and for the poor. Absolutely. Well, the rich and then the middle class and the poor. Yes, right. And, um, you know, where we define riches, <laughs> that's a whole other discussion. Okay. But uh, in Germany, what they did is they, they had a two, uh, two-tier system. And if you were um, upper class, you could opt out of the public system. Mm. And nobody who had that opportunity, nobody stayed in the public system. Because their private system, if you opted out, if you were wealthy enough, then you could be in the private system. And the private system over there was actually quite good. And I was jealous. I wish... You know, we did some of those things here. Well, how, wait, how did they decide whether you were, had permission to opt out? Uh, it was an uh, economic threshold, and, and I don't know the number. I apologize uh, to you and your okay. listeners for so not knowing. So in other words, like... Um... It, was, it was roughly about 60 or 65,000 euros individual, mm-hmm. um, or 70, somewhere, somewhere in that area, that if you made that amount of money um, individually, then you had the choice that you could be in the private plan or the public plan. Okay. So go ahead. So all but one of the teachers at our school had to be in the public plan. Mm. There was one um, uh, teacher who was um, near 60 years old, an American, uh, very well educated, so he's at the top of the scale. Mm -hmm. And so he had the choice, and he did opt into the private plan. And the private plan, like I was mentioning, was uh, fairly innovative. Um, If you were a low-use patient, then you would, some, you know, you could get premium months back. Um, if you didn't go to the doctor within the year, uh, you got one of your months premium back. There were a lot of incentives, a lot of market incentives to keep the cost down. Uh-huh. So everybody that was um, wealthy enough was in that plan. The rest of us, uh, mere mortals, we had to be in the public plan. And like I was mentioning before, it's 14% of your um, income no matter what you made. And so my wife and I, uh, we paid 14%. Uh, we had a, a neighbor of ours where we lived. She would work roughly one to three hours per week just so she would qualify then for health care. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she made next to nothing working one or two or three hours in any given week. 
but then she would get the nationalized health care. Hmm. And so it's, it's an okay system for the rich because they can opt out. It was a great system for the poor or people who, you know, didn't work. But for the middle class, you were the ones that ended up subsidizing everything, and that's why it was more expensive than, than what we have here in the States. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that Germany, um, you know, there's kind of an old saying that Europe can be Europe only if America is America. Hmm. Um, you know, we've subsidized their national defense for 60 years. And so they've had the ability to spend lavishly on social programs um, hmm. that, that we haven't here. And even with that, um, every night on the news, it was cranking reform, sick, you know, health care reform, because the system was going broke. You know, we look at Social Security, and we can see the numbers coming down the road, you know, 15, 20 years out. Um, they're at that point right now in Germany in, with their health system. Hmm. And so what was the... Um... So what were, what were they talking about? It, basically, you know, what do we do? And, and one of the, well, this is another, it would get into a whole other uh, problem uh, that Europe is facing is just sheer demographics. Um, you know, the average age of, of uh, or the median age of a German right now is, I think, 46, 47 years of age. So they have an um, aging population. There's less and less workers. You know, people at the tail end of their careers or retirement or pension years, you know, they don't want to lose what they perceive is now their right uh, to have. Uh, but you have a decreasing number of workers, a decreasing number of young people to basically subsidize that. And so you have a portion of the population that says, no, we, we earn this. We deserve this. This is our right. And so there's really a stalemate, at least there was when we were there, as to what to do with this. Um, and, and I, I don't know what they're going to do. You know, um, Europeans are not having children. Uh, the birth rate right now in most European countries is well below replacement value. Hmm. Uh, so there, there are a lot of demographic issues that are exacerbating their problem. And, uh, you know, the, uh, things are really going to come to a, a head here in a very short period of time, I think. So um, you were saying that... The, for example, the woman who lived in your building worked one to three hours a week to get her health insurance. What about people who weren't working? Didn't they get it just, didn't they just have, have it for free, essentially? Uh, and I, I can't answer the question that specifically. Um, I think it was, it, it was a different, you know, um, in Minnesota here we have something called Minnesota Care, which is basically for uh, very low-income people. And so um, they, they had some semblance of that through their, uh, through unemployment or through, you know, their version of welfare. And how that worked, I, I apologize, I can't uh, answer that. But, but that yeah, was they, even they another have... tier, basically. That they... wasn't as good as what you had, for example. Yeah, um, you know, but, well, I, I can't answer that for sure. Because the, the, uh, the safety net in Germany is, is quite good, um, Unemployment benefits, for example, uh, you get 80% of what your um, ta- or 80% of your salary when you're unemployed. And so we had a colleague of ours, wasn't even a German citizen, it was an American citizen. Uh, his two-year contract was up at the school, and uh, he was. We all stayed two years in Germany because once your two years was up, then he had to pay the back taxes and start paying, you know, full taxes. We had worked for two years at a reduced tax rate. Um, and so his two-year contract was up. He was going to have back taxes coming due, full tax payments. And so, you know, very few of the Americans stuck around for that. Hmm. And this uh, 
friend of ours, this colleague of ours, uh, their children were in the school. They wanted to stay another year. And so what he decided to do is he let his contract run out, uh, he, and he went on unemployment. And he would come and hang out with us, and he said, it's the greatest system in the world. I make 80% of what I was making teaching, and I sit at home and do nothing. Well, you see, that's why the Sherman health care system is going down the tubes, because the Americans are coming there and, and going on unemployment. <laughs> well, it wasn't kidding. just the Americans. There were a lot of Germans who <laughs> did, did things like that, too. And, and that, that's the real... That's the real scary thing for me about socialism in general, is that it, it saps initiative. It breeds dependency. I mean, if you can get something, quote-unquote, for nothing, you're going to do it. And, uh, and we saw that all over, not just in the American friend of ours, but you know, lots of Germans uh, would do that as well. Well, yes. I mean, I must say that you know, when I was in Europe, uh, first of all, it, the years that I spent in Europe, I must say, were the most, um, were just really incredibly exciting, traveling, being able to, other than having to study for tests um, to, to get through medical school, uh, just the idea of being able to go on a weekend anywhere and, and just enjoy all different cultures. And one of the things that they have that, that America would do well to copy is um, this appreciation for the finer things in life, not being uh, <laughs> Nike sneakers, mm -hmm. sneakers, but um, you know, taking time to be with your family, taking time to to listen to concerts, to go to plays, to do all kinds of cultural things, and um, and and realizing they're not as much. Uh, well, Germany probably is more than any of the other countries, but um, they are not as much of a workaholic nation as mm -hmm. we are. And that was one of the things that, um, you know, that we really would, because, because we're sort of going around in our little um, cages, um, on the wheels in our cages, spinning our wheels, and not really getting more out of life, although we think we have to do this, and of course now with the economy and there's even more pressure and so on, but still, Really, we lose track. So many of us lose track of what's really important in life, and we don't enjoy it for the moments that we have that we can enjoy it. And instead, we're spending all of our time on this treadmill, on this little wheel, uh, working. You're absolutely right. You know, and there was, uh, I found that, you know, I, I always was a little, I guess I didn't know how hard of working people we are here in the United States until I left. And we're exceptionally hard working people. And on the other hand, though, there is a lot of keeping up with the Joneses, and, and that is certainly something that uh, um, we could do with a lot less of. So um, now what about, you? Were, I know that you also wrote about how you need permission for things. I mean, another aspect of socialism is I mean, it's all about government control and, and even beyond uh, health issues. What were some of the experiences that you had with that? Well, you know, and this is right now because of the economy in the United States. That's and healthcare. That those are the big, uh, the big issues. You know, that we're facing. The thing that really struck me when I was over there was less of the economics um, and more of how this all has affected society. Mm -hmm. And you know, currently I live in rural northern Minnesota. I I've got some room to breathe. I've got some room to do things. And when government starts getting involved with your life, um, 
it becomes easier and easier for people just to say, well, yeah, okay, okay, you know, have a little more control, a little more control, a little more control. And, and that's really what I saw, and, and that's what struck me as just fascinating in Germany. Um, you know, you couldn't go fishing unless you belonged to a certain club, and they had the rights to a certain uh, lake or stream. Um, I enjoy sailing. Uh, a colleague would sail, and he said, well, do you have your certification? No, I just I know how to sail. Uh, you couldn't go sailing without that certification. You couldn't live in the country. Um, you had to live in uh, an established city or or a town. Okay, we need we need to. Uh, uh, <laughs> I hear the music this yeah, time. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, we need to take a break. Another break. This is really interesting, though. <laughs> um, when we come back, you can tell us more. We're talking to my guest, Jason Marsh. He's the author of. Um, surviving Euphoria. When we come back, he'll take us more along his trip. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. one 472 5787 That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america son we gotta talk about drinking i know I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't, yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. 
Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at one 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. We're talking about the slippery slope of socialism with my guest, Jason Marsh, the author of Surviving Euphoria. Um, before the break, you were telling us about some of these things. You know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, um, I always get the 1984, right? Yeah. Where yeah, I mean, you're, you're um, the people sort of right. accept more and more government control over their lives. And so how, how hard was it, would it be to get a permission to join the club for, uh, for, to fish or to sail? Well, you know, a lot of those things, if you took the right class or jumped through the right bureaucratic uh, loop, huh. it, it, it wasn't terribly difficult. But it's just the fact that um, government has crept into every aspect of your life. Yes. And that was a shocking to me. You know, there's the old saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I know that a lot of these things were originally began, you know, with good intentions. But, I mean, come on, you know, um, German law requires that a bartender take 11 minutes to pour a beer. <laughs> you know, you, you, you can't 11 make... minutes to pour a beer? Absolutely. How I'm not you, making you mean this one up. glass or a stein of beer? Yep, one glass of beer. And I'm, I'm not making this up. And this, this is, you know, for your listeners, if they, you know... The, the book has a lot of these kind of anecdotes and stories in it that I, I think are quite amusing, you know, and I would tell people back home about these things, you can't make it up. You can't make up a story about how it takes 11 minutes to order beer. And we would, you know, go to the local pub and we'd order one and we would say, okay, in two minutes here we're going to have to order another one because it'll take 11 minutes. Um, and just example after example after example of those things. And what kind was the things. point of that? Why was it supposed to take 11 minutes? Well, the, the point explained to me was that you have to let the beer breathe. And for a good-tasting German beer, <laughs> you have to let it breathe. So as opposed to, you know, letting people make that choice, yes. the government has now mandated that yes, yes. it takes. And it was fun. We would, we would sit and watch the bartender do this. Uh, they would take a little squirt. Uh, off the tap and fill it up a quarter, and then they'd have an assembly line of a couple more, then they'd start <laughs> over and keep going like that, and uh, 11 minutes later, you had your beer. Well, I remember, you know, there being, I, I'm sure it's a lot worse now, but I remember there being uh, similar kinds of things, not, not with beer, <laughs> but um, where there would be rules, and uh, the rules didn't seem to make sense, and whenever... Um, I would ask, well, why is it that way? I mean, which, you're, of course, I'm sure you experienced, you're not supposed to ask why it's that way. Um, people look at you like, you know, why are you, how dare you ask? Um, but the answer would usually be because that's the way it's always been. Mm -hmm. you, it ha that has not changed. Uh, <laughs> that is the exact answer. And I would, you know, for your listeners who have seen the Austin Powers movies, there's a scene in one of the Austin Powers movies where, uh, Dr. Evil's son is questioning, you know, this arcane, idiotic way of doing things. And Dr. Evil turns to him and says, you just don't get how things are done around here, do you, Scott? 
<laughs> and and that was really you know my experience for two years. I I no, I didn't get why things were done that way. And we got the same answer you did. So at least they're consistent. <laughs> so things haven't changed. <laughs> so they're they're consistent. You got to give them that. <laughs> well. You know, and, and it's it's I and I believe I I don't certainly don't want to leave my listeners with the idea that I, I'm sure you don't either that we're putting down um, the the beautiful things that there are in Europe because yes, as you said at the beginning, you know that's the one meaning of euphoria. I mean, mm-hmm. I go there every chance I can. Well, and so do we. And 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 I I wanted to uh, you know say that at the beginning that it's not a zero sum game. It's not uh, everything is bad. Um, they are far less litigious society than we are. And, and I think we could learn some stuff from that. Um, so there are cultural things that uh, we can look uh, to Europe for. But, but, but the idea of the government taking over their lives, Europeans' lives, and Europeans be, becoming more dependent and, and finding it easier and easier to do this, I think is a real big red flag for all of us here. It should be that this has begun happening here. And with health care, of course, um, that is the, you know, perhaps the worst uh, aspect of our lives. I think it is because it's, I mean, other than, other than taking away the vote, um, because that is a, a life and death game. And, um, and as we were talking about at the beginning, and uh, we do, <laughs> just to kind of bring things full circle, we do need to be out there in the streets or stop what we're doing and um, call our congressmen and contact our different, our local legislators, our congressmen, or whoever, whatever uh, legislators we can reach and be out there making protests. I mean, I'm, to be honest, I'm very, very disappointed in uh, the medical profession for not having uh, staged some, some protests themselves already. I mean, it is kind of that lethargy or that... Um, uh, the fat cow, you know, just like chewing one's cud and thinking, letting things pass over your head and, and just kind of either being too lethargic, too frightened, too thinking of, well, what difference does it make? I can't make a difference. Um, and that's how all of these things are sort of getting passed while we're um, not paying any attention. You're absolutely correct. And, and the farther we get down that road, uh, the easier and easier it becomes uh, to look the other way and not not stand up and do anything, and that's really one of the reasons why I wrote the book. Um, you know, the book is a collection of short stories. It, uh, it's a bunch of anecdotes, uh, stories that really uh, explain the things we've just been talking about and and give people a concrete example of, you know, I, I don't want to say what our future is going to be, but certainly one potential future. And so I think uh, people will get a uh, a laugh out of the book at some points, and other points they might cry because they say, you know, if this is the direction we're going, you're, you're absolutely right. We do have to stand up and do something. Well, tell, why don't you um, give people your website and tell people where they can get the book? Well, uh, probably the easiest and quickest and least expensive is just through my website, Surviving Euphoria. Um, otherwise, you can get it through Barnes & Noble or uh, Borders or any of the big uh, book carriers. And Amazon, right? Amazon, absolutely, yep. So anywhere uh, books are sold, you can, you can order it. And, uh, but like I said, uh, if you want it a little quicker and a little less expensive, then uh, survivinguphoria.com is the best place to get it. And let me spell that out. S-U-R-V-I-N-G-U-P-H-O-R-I-A. 
S-U-R-V-I-V-I-N-G, surviving, euphoria, E-U-P-H-O-R-I-A, survivingeuphoria.com. Well, I, I think it's very, uh, I'm very pleased that you, <laughs> that you are doing this. Um, you're the son of a politician, and uh, have you been, have you been talking, has he been um, sort of gotten on your bandwagon and, and trying to support this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a, a father would do that regardless of, uh, of what uh, profession he's in. But uh, and I've certainly had some uh, very interesting conversations with uh, current and former politicians here in, in the Minnesota and upper Midwest. And, uh, you know, like you said, there's, there's a big concern. And, and the one thing that does concern me is, is our kind of apathy or our uh, reluctance to criticize Yes. the Obama administration, and yes. it's kind of a hands-off approach. And I think, you know, it's, the honeymoon's over. Uh, it's time to uh, have a, a, a very earnest and strong debate based on ideas, and, uh, and we need to get these things out there. Yes, I think people need to wake up and realize that the, cha- the change isn't always good. No, <laughs> that's ch- Hope and change, yes. Well, yeah. we, we need to do more than hope and really start making sure that our, our liberties, including our liberty to... Uh, to health care is not compromised. So thank you very much. Again, this, my guest was Jason Marsh. His book, Surviving Euphoria, Selected Writings on Politics, Travel, and Life in Europe, and the website, survivingeuphoria.com. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.